Welcome to SGTM Talks. We hope you find this encouraging and inspiring. It's wonderful uh, to have you here if we've not yet met. Um, my name's Jack, I'm one of the clergy here at St. George the Martyr, and it's my privilege to be continuing on in a collection of talks on our midweek service when we're exploring uh, one of the smaller books in the New Testament uh, called 1 John. And just to recap, uh, last week when I introduced this uh, short collection of talks looking at 1 John 1, uh, 1 John was written uh, most likely by a, a figure called John the Elder, most likely the one who authored uh, one, uh, 2 John, 3 John, and also the Gospel according to John. This was written towards the end of this person's life, and it was written directly into a context, a church context, where division had emerged, where people had left the church, where people had um, been causing division within the church. And 1 John itself is not necessarily written as a letter that we might be used to within the New Testament, but it would be closer to ascribe it to the style of a sermon, and one of the ways we know this is through this rhetoric technique of amplification, whereby the author of 1 John will circle around the idea of love, the idea of light, and the idea of truth over and over again to amplify its significance, whereby a letter sometimes would prepare you and have a great conclusion. 1 John almost seems to be repeating himself over and over again, not repeating uh, not suggesting a new commandment, but rather repeating an old commandment that we are called to live in the light and to love in the light. See, one of the subtexts of this whole letter or sermon is this deeper question of why does this matter? John is addressing a context where this question is very much present. Why does this matter? And I wonder for you today whether you sit there and you sometimes find yourself sitting in churches and you generally, if you're honest, think, well, why does this even matter? Here's a funny question. Why does this matter? It reminds me as a child, as a teenager when I was in school and I was sitting in a math class. Now, I'm not going to bash mathematicians, but myself, um, I, I don't get it. I, also, I just don't get numbers, but I also don't get a discipline that seems to predicate itself upon the question that you can't ask further questions. One at one is to end of discussion. Now, of course, I am aware that there is, there is more layers to one add one equals two, and there are people who have asked the question about why. But when you're in a maths class, age 13, and a teacher tells you that one add one equals two, there's no argument to be had, it just is. And it reminds me of a time when I was sitting in a maths class, and I think we were learning Pythagoras theorem or something like that. Someone put their hand up and boldly asked the maths teacher, sir, can I just ask, why is this relevant to our life? Why, when would we ever need to use this? Now, there's obviously multiple ways that uh, my teacher could have responded to said question. He could have encouraged the, inqu the inquisitive nature of the student for asking about the further application of study. It could have been, well, tracing the historical past about how it had been relevant in the past. Uh, my math teacher must have been having a bad day because he began to say, like, well, if you don't do this, you'll fail your exams. And if you fail your exams, then you won't get into university. And if you don't get into the university, then you won't get a job that you want. And if you don't get the job that you want, you won't be able to afford to pay rent. And if you don't pay rent, you'll become, you, you won't be able ever to live. And you don't have anywhere to live, then you'll die. Bear in mind, the class went silent. 
And nobody ever asks this mathematician ever again why, why mass is important. But it's often quite an interesting thing when we explore how people respond to the why question. Then there's a bit of a detour into biology that I was reading uh, something the other day and it, this author was talking about how within our brains we have the limbic center in our brains almost the, the, the biological center and the un it is evolved but it's not the newer form part of our brain and it, they, the limbic center is that which determines our feelings our emotions our behavior but an interesting thing about the limbic brain is it doesn't have the capacity for language to communicate so that's perhaps why when someone asks you why is this important to you it becomes almost impossible to respond why because there's no language that we have an access to show really why something is important to us we can show its importance but to actually articulate it can be really difficult within this letter john is addressing many questions that have emerged out of this church and i believe that one of john's main responses is to go to the question beneath all questions this why question this why does any of this really make a difference so i'm going to read uh, the whole of 1 john 2 um it's 28 verses that just a caveat i will not be able to address everything that emerges within these uh, verses but i do believe that there is an importance of hearing scripture read out loud so i'm going to read out the whole passage and hopefully pick out a few points uh, that might help us along the way so beginning in 1 john 2 verse 1 he says my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous one he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins but also for the sins of the whole world we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands whoever says i know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person but if anyone obeys the word love for god is truly made complete in them this is how we we know we are in him whoever claims to live in him must live as jesus lived did dear friends i am not writing to you a new command but an old one which you have had since the beginning this old command is the message that you you have heard yet i am writing you a new command its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them i am writing to you dear children because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name i'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning i am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one i write to you dear children because you know the father i write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning i write to you young men because you are strong and the word of god lives in you and you have overcome the evil one do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world love for the father is not in them for everything in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of god lives forever dear children this is the last hour as and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming 
Even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and, of all, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son ha has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as he has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. A long chapter, much to pull out, but I believe there's potentially three questions that emerge within this text that we can just begin to wonder about today. The first question coming out of this church addressed whom john is addressing is this simple question what do we do put simply within our passage we see time and time again a very clear instruction do not sin do not sin now the church sometimes has over egged the pudding when it comes to the conversation of sin at times the church has resisted from even speaking about the subject of sin because it can evoke shame guilt and a feeling of failure it becomes a word which is heavy to hear well for john this word sin itself is synonymous to this idea of darkness and darkness is only revealed by the light which shines upon it see john is clear that the church itself is not the light but is witness to the one who is the light one way i like to think about sin is the feeling you might get if someone important in the room came in now if i was to say ladies and gentlemen all withstanding for her royal, his royal majesty the king and he and the king charles walked in the room everybody straight away would be on their feet in awe and respect for this individual see not sinning and not sinning and talking about sin is predicated on something far more fundamental than striving or even being aware of sin itself see this what question is dependent upon the relationship with the one who is light it's dependent upon understanding who the one who comes in the room is see i love the fact that john is the person himself who describes himself in his own gospel account as the one whom jesus most loved it's a bit of an audacious title to give yourself but he seemed to get away with it over and over again but he didn't call himself the one who performed the best around jesus the one the one who kept the commands no, it was the one whom he loved most, the beloved disciple. See, how John responded in light of the love is important, but it is predicated on a relationship to the one who is light. 
See, John's focus in 1 John is the light and not the darkness. The danger of just looking at the darkness is we ourselves become surrounded by the darkness. 1 John is 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 an address to a church to remind them that we already have the light that we're not blind and in we're not blind and unaware of this light this one who is christ so do not sin because the why beneath the sin why we do not sin is because there is a light and we have become aware of it but then the second question emerges and often does when you give an answer and you you start to address this question of oh what uh, what are we meant to do and you give an answer people's instantaneous responses well how do we go about doing that yes don't sin but how do we not sin john's response is quick love people love people see anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble surprise surprise the one whom jesus most loved is convinced that we are called to be a people not who act in a specific way, but who love people. We are called to be people, people. The answer to how we do this is that we resist the temptation to love the world, but we love people. And it can often be very much easier to love things around us. Why? Because people are often the problem, the cause of all of the problems in our lives. People are annoying. People get under your skin. Things They can be annoying and get under your skin, but you can just move on to the next thing. People seem to hang around in our memory, in our company. People become the problem. In this context itself, it was people that are called the division in the church. It was people who were leading people astray. And what is John's command? Not a new thing. The old thing that Jesus himself taught him, who was the most loved disciple, to love others, even when it causes pain, even when these people around us seem detestable we are called to love why because in the light of christ there can be no darkness there can be no hatred see it's not about trying harder to love it's almost about doing less and resisting this this trap of falling in love with things with occupations with our possessions with our own abilities but to love not ourselves but to love people so what are we meant to do well john is saying don't sin how are we meant to do that well love people and then the next question comes on especially when you start talking about loving people people always begin to ask yes okay how long for though like what's the limitation of this love like how far do we need to go until we can kind of cut that individual off and john john ends john one one john two too many numbers in that word one john two with this and now dear children continue in him how long for so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming so what are we meant to do how long are we meant to love well until his return not until we've given all that we can or we've removed all the sin in our life and that point then we can stop loving or that person finally takes the hint and leaves us alone no we're called to continue loving until the end time See, the why question about why we even hold a faith is because we don't just believe in a Jesus who existed back then. It's not this old story that the church keeps rehashing. No, the church lives in expectation that Jesus Christ will come again. 
not some sort of idea of, oh, maybe it might be nice if there's some nice things at the end of the story and they all lived happily ever after. No, we believe that Jesus Christ himself will return and overthrow, completely overthrow the dominion of darkness so that there can be no more darkness. See, because when we're asked this, these questions about like, what do we do, how do we do it, how long, do we, how long, where are we meant to do this? The deeper question is why we're supposed to do this. See, we begin to misunderstand John's letter to this church if we think it's about action. This is the one whom Jesus most loved. This individual had an intimacy with Jesus that he himself said was almost supreme above the other disciples. He was the one who could recline back with Jesus and ask a personal question. Now, it isn't to suggest that he was like better in terms of within the 12 because that's not what he's really getting at but actually for john himself the central message of christ isn't to act better it isn't to shame those who seem to be acting worse than you it's to love why because christ has first and foremost loved us see because god is the one who is light the one who reveals sin but our response should not be that we begin to try harder and muster all the strength within us to keep going and to not love this world and to be only for Christ. It's not to do that. It's simply to love and to continue loving and to love some more. Not to love things, but to love people. So perhaps this week, my challenge to you is those people in your lives, and I speak ha having some people in my life that fit into this category, that when I talk about loving people, instantly you go, just not that one, just not that person. I love everyone, the people I like, I love them. I'm not gonna love that person. Surely John isn't saying we should love even those people. Friends, in the light, of, in the light that is dedicated to the light of God, there is no people whom we can disregard as the untouchables. Because the second we do that, John himself attests in his gospels, Jesus is found with those very people looking straight at you because he loves those people. So in response to this radical love of Jesus, we are called to do the same, not to act in a specific way, but simply to love. So who could you love this week? Who are the people in your lives that it becomes almost an action? You behave in a way that seems to be loving, but internally that isn't. Perhaps this week you might be bold enough to ask, God, to reveal to you the, the gift that is love, love of our neighbours, love for our enemies, and in turn, love for ourselves and love for God. Thank you for listening to SGTM Talks. We hope you found this insightful and inspiring and can tune in again soon. In the meantime, try out our website, sgtm.org.